Hey, man, this is me, Kevin Smith, uh, giving a shout-out to Rose, Trevor, and Ted. Uh, Vera sent me your way. Uh, these are very explicit instructions. Uh, her roommates, Rose, Trevor, and Ted, could use a good roasting. And why she turned to me, I have no idea. I'm not known to be the, the roaster. I was known to eat a lot of roasts. Then had a heart attack, went vegan, stopped eating roasts. So, but here I am. I've been hired. I'm not going to, job's a job in this economy. So I'm going to do what I'm told. Rose is Canadian. So have at her, eh? Oh, Rose and your socialized medicine and your good programs for teenagers and your glazette chocolate covered peanuts and Bob and Doug McKenzie. Can't make fun of you for that. Can't roast you for that. I applaud you for all of those things for being Canadian. Ted is a podcaster who works at a church. Um, look, can't attack those things. I'm a podcaster, and I was an altar boy when I was a kid, so I worked at a church, too. I am Ted. We are all Ted, aren't we, in one way or another? You hear my dog drinking? The loud drinking problem right there. Um, and Trevor has seen all your movies. Thank you, Trevor. All of them? Even yoga hosers? I salute you. Not even sure I saw that one, man. Uh, thanks, kids. Uh, on behalf of Vera. She loves you, she misses you, she wants to roast you. Get worried. Hey everybody, welcome back uh, after a long hiatus to We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, the premiere podcast. Not long about, enough. <laughs> that's honestly, yeah. Uh, the premiere podcast about one man's crooked brain. I'm Ted. I'm Rose. I'm, of course, Trevor. Before we jump right into it, I think we should uh, let some of our listeners know just exactly what we've been up to during our our, uh, summer away from work. (laughs) Uh, You want to go first, Rose? Uh, I, you know, when we left off, I was in uh, my basement apartment quarantining and... uh, I haven't moved since, and I've played a lot of video games, and I've watched a lot of movies. Sick. Uh, what about you, Trev? Oh, well, you know, it's been quite a journey for me. Uh, I I quit drinking shortly after we went on hiatus. I've oh, uh, nice. been going to therapy. I've been really working on myself, uh, working on building up my self-esteem. Uh, I've, I've been eating better. I lost a lot of weight. Um really just really just feeling a lot better uh feeling better about myself <laughs> feeling health i i'm been i'm three months sober now hey um, congratulations I, yeah every, yeah everything's been yes. going really great for me and while i was uh watching this thing just now i could feel all that slipping away <laughs> uh, do, doing this podcast is gonna make me start drinking again uh, it's all all the all the progress i've made in the past three months it's uh, just gone up in smoke now because yeah. of this horrible thing in the beginning when i said it's about one man's crooked brain that one man is not kevin smith it's uh it's we're driving trevor to insanity Trevor drink so, water. it's really about four crooked brain it's about one crooked brain <laughs> making three other brains more and more crooked as time goes yeah. on. and uh hopefully anybody who listens to this it's sort of like a viral um you know the real pandemic is we need to talk about kevin <laughs> yeah 
Well, it's well, we're really, really starting, really starting off season two with a whimper and a thud here. I'm sure all the listeners can feel the excitement. It's, there's, it's palpable here in the. We need to talk about Kevin's studio. We're happy we're to be th- back. Thrilled to be back. You know, I've been making myself not watch Kevin Smith movies so that I would have the energy to come back and fully appreciate it. Um, you know, we're all stoked because uh, our our favorite. Um, uh, cop Kamala just got nominated for vice president. So we're all all very excited about that. (laughs) Too many other bad things to talk about. (laughs) Uh, Before we move on, this is a K hive podcast. This is a K K hive. We're official K hive. -Hive. (laughs) Buzz buzz. Ted, you didn't. Do they say that? Do they do the beef thing? No, that's the bug. That's that's the bug main. You're you're mixing up. We're that too. You're mixing up your cults, Ted. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in, I'm in so many. It's hard to keep track. You didn't you didn't uh, tell us how you spent your summer vacation. Yes, how did oh. you spend it? Uh, I've just been chilling mostly. Nice, great. I I wanted to get I wanted to get one last thing from from all of you though. I wanted to find out because I think when we left off, we were all pretty angry at Kevin. I want to mm-hmm. find out where our temperatures are at because personally. I will say this is something that's changed over the past few months. Watching Kevin online, and you know, getting a little distance from his movies, I think I, I think I've, I've kind of warmed up to Kevin a little, oh, a little bit more. I am ashamed to say I agree me, with Rose. I like him again. Yeah, me and Ted have talked about this. Getting yeah. distance, seeing him because he posted that he was at like the Black Lives Matter protest, and he was like handing out water cares? and stuff. Oh my god! Uh, no, no, I no. thought that was cool. You're, it's so <laughs> brave. It's so brave of Kevin for take to to have the same stance that everybody in Hollywood knows that they have to have. The thing, every fucking celebrity is posting Black Lives Matter. Yeah, of course, it's great. It would be horrible (laughs) if he were so racist that he was like, oh, I actually hate Black Lives Matter. But he's actually just the regular amount of racist for Hollywood where he puts the racism in his work, but... Then off screen, he's like, yeah, of course, I support black people. Like, what? that's just, it's fucking common sense. <laughs> well, I think it was I, nice that he went to the protests. I don't even, I don't even think, here's what I think. The, the issue of Kevin Smith, good or bad, was fully settled. That case was settled, closed, tried, and convicted on season one. We can put that behind us. We don't need to relitigate that. We don't need to reopen that wound. Now we're se- season two. We're on a new chapter, and we're focusing on all this other uh, garbage that floats <laughs> around in the orbit of the black hole of Kevin and his life. And that's fine. So that that's that's the focus of the pie. We don't need to resume this argument and start back at this baseline place just because you guys have a little distance you're like oh we like kevin again no i'm not repeating that with you i'm not going i'm not gonna repeat that whole awful cycle there's no point it's it's i'm it's in the past now and he i'm here to talk about this fucking terrible documentary that we just watched Speaking of baseline, uh, we went back to Kevin's origins for this first episode with uh, the snowball effect, the making of clerks. Now, this is important because this is the documentary that I saw when I was a kid. When I first watched Clerks, uh, my brother had the special edition that came with this documentary and I watched it and I was 
inspired. And I remembered this documentary as being really good. And I was kind of excited <laughs> to revisit it. Gotta say, doesn't hold up on rewatch. <laughs> it, it's such a poorly made <laughs> documentary in almost every aspect. Before we even yeah, get into yeah. the mm-hmm. content of it, it's it's... Edit, the editing is so schizophrenic. Just in the first like five minutes, they're all over the place. They have these like title card jumps where it's like they talk about something for like 10 seconds and jump to the next thing. The music cues are all awkward. It, it's so it's so bad. And then oh. all of the people in the documentary also just terrible, just incredibly dull to watch. Uh, Ted, what, what did you think? <laughs> This is also not the thing I'm really like that into in general. Even if it's something I really like, I sort of get bored when they get in the like minutia of how a movie gets made. But like that, it was, and I this isn't even something I feel like I like to say a lot. But it, there was just so many parts of it that were just like very cringe. Oh, and yeah, made me feel bad. Yeah. Like the opening of it is a bunch of. People who I'm sure uh, are all very nice people. No, no, but just, I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure of that at all. <laughs> they were talking about how like they watched Clerks five times in one night, and they were like dressed up like Silent Bob, oh, and God. just like yeah, it was just like it was like seeing somebody that watched Clerks when it came out when they were the age to like really like Clerks, uh, and then they stayed that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which like. I don't know. That's like fine, but but keep in mind this is this is 2004. Uh, mm. This was at a this was at a point where like it, not exactly the peak of Kevin's career, but maybe like it was definitely before the decline in his decline in the image of I think in, in the eyes of most people. It's yeah. like what it was like. It was past the point where Kevin Smith was really critically celebrated, but it was. Well, at the height of his sort of personal, like, cult uh, uh, fandom arc, I think. So, yeah, um, because it was. I wonder what some of these people are like now, because they're like 40 years old, (laughs) those people at the beginning. And maybe they're not as weird about Kevin Smith as they were back then. I hope not. It's almost 20 years later, but I don't know. Who knows? And, like, there's just, just a lot of moments like that where, like, it was just like hard to watch because these people aren't like it's not that they're not likable that's part of it but it's just that like that they're like sort of annoying and they we, don't really we should, we should talk yeah, about who these people are we should explain who the people we're talking about are they're all all of kevin's friends and the people in his orbit from when he was like making clerks and first starting out yeah so his like friends from a long time ago jay obviously who you know i would say we're pretty pro jay on this podcast yeah jason Hughes, i guess i should say um so like and he was the most listenable i don't know like he was the only person on screen that i wasn't just like oh this makes me feel weird yeah i wanted to see how you guys felt because i kind of think that the most interesting thing about this documentary is just actually seeing what kevin's friends that were featured in clerks were like in real life um for the audience at home Basically, this documentary is kind of in two parts, the first part being the making of Clerks and the second part being like kind of the selling of Clerks, which is a little bit weird. But yeah, this first chunk is like interviews with all of his friends. Um, I definitely found Jason Mewes to be like the person that I found the most interesting. He just like felt fucking real. Um, And a lot of Kevin's friends, there was some charm to them in that they reminded me of like 
people I knew from back home. But for the most part, the interviews aren't super interesting. <laughs> They're not like the most They're exciting people. <laughs> yeah, first of all, it got way it got way too personal about these people that like aren't interesting to watch or listen to at mm-hmm. all. And we learned so much about their personal lives, about their personal feelings about Kevin, about yeah. conflicts that they had with each other. And yeah. like, I don't want to know. First of all, I don't know you people and I don't want to. <laughs> There's nothing. You're, you're These are just boring people. And I have to learn about their lives. It's like gross to me. Like, why <laughs> yeah, am I looking yeah. at this? Uh, that's what I was thinking is that like I think um, I definitely didn't think about this as a kid obviously but watching it now I felt a little I assume everyone was cool with it or whatever but I did feel a little bit weird that the making of Clerks documentary was like so much focused on the personal lives of people that are like you know it's not um, I, I didn't really gain anything from learning that like two of the cast members really didn't like each other and one of them might be a liar or something. I thought that was like yeah. weird weird to include. It didn't like expand my view of the movie at all. And if they did something interesting with it, I think it would be so much like better. But it's just like, guess what? These people like hated each other. It's like well, there's, <laughs> Whoa, well, there's no just, way. There's nothing there's just nothing interesting about it or about them. And that's the thing. Yeah. It th- this basically like confirmed uh, so many of my like prejudiced assumptions about what Kevin <laughs> and his friends must have been like because it, they say it in this documentary but it's also kind of the whole pitch of Clerks where it's like I wanted to make a movie that where the people just talk like the way me and my friends talk we're just regular yeah. people talking about comic books or whatever and sure enough he and his friends are just these lame fucking shithead losers who have nothing interesting going on in their lives they have no personality the guy the one guy that i guess randall was sort of based on guess what he really was a fucking asshole and abused customers for no reason like they're talking about that and was that the guy who um was that the guy who lost the part no no no, that was a different guy no oh that was that was dante yeah, I want to yeah. talk about that too. That but, was uh, interesting. Sorry, I was getting, that, I was getting that, them that confused. Was, that was maybe the most fascinating thing about the documentary. It's something I wouldn't have wanted in it if mm-hmm. I were Kevin. But Same. Not Kevin. Jeez. Um, yeah. But, uh, Anyways. But but the 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 guy I think it's Brian something. He's the one that directed the movie Vulgar, which we are going to talk about oh, yeah. in a yeah. later episode. So stay tuned. But um, he <laughs> like he was Kevin's coworker at the video store, and he was talking about like yeah I I didn't care about the customers. I gave them all shit. When they would use double <laughs> negatives, I would tell them their grammar was oh wrong. And it's God. like, first of all, what an asshole. So, like, who fucking... They're, what, you're going to shit on customers for fucking using double negatives? And, and like, like, That's Kevin, not even funny. That's like... Yeah, it's just annoying. That would be yeah. annoying if, any, if someone you knew did it, let alone a stranger that you're trying to ask for help at a store. <laughs> Yeah, or there's that other part where they're talking about how they were having a conversation about Star Wars and someone was listening in. So then they were like, so we decided to have a crazy conversation about Star Wars. And I'm like, what story is this? This regular guy just couldn't (laughs) believe that a couple of chill slackers like us were talking about Star Wars, the biggest movie of all time. (laughs) That guy must have been totally freaked out because we were talking about Darth Vader. You know, what? What world are you living in? There's some weird stuff to it. I do. I do want to say though. I think 
Um, I'm, I'm saying this in a value, in a value neutral way, like an Errol Morris documentary or something. This film mm-hmm. does let you just like peer into these people's lives for a little bit <laughs> and make yeah, your own which judgments. Which I would have never which, wanted to do. <laughs> but here's the thing is that it did. It also confirmed my beliefs um, regarding Kevin Smith, uh, particularly around that uh, the best thing about his about the original clerics is his friend's involvement and it is um not really it's not really a vision of it's not really a vision of kevin smith it's very much like a community collaborative project amongst these like different people and that's where all the good stuff comes from and i do think that that is why for some people it is very special because it does capture something which is real um but the as we see in the documentary the thing it captures is like how um this bunch of boring assholes used to talk when they were in high school <laughs> uh which is like not super interesting to um me at least anymore i think so like in it at one point when he's talking to one of his friends um i i, I, I he's like the guy that plays a bunch of roles in clerks i'm not gonna remember yeah, this person's yeah. name i don't really care to i can't I remember I anyone's name. names they're yeah, all too fucking boring to, yeah there are too many of these boring nerds they're all the same guy yeah i'm not gonna keep track of their names mm-hmm. but anyway so when they first have the idea for clerks they describe it as like a lynchian thing of working like that a night crazy. shift in a convenience <laughs> store and just yeah. seeing all these weird characters come in which is to me the part that works about clerks is just like the random little bits it's uh-huh. not anything that has to do with like fucking dante or randall because those parts are not funny and they're not fun but like the parts about weird people that come in like those work so it's like they had a good idea and then instead made clerks which but, again i don't hate and i don't think kevin could have pulled off that good idea but exactly, it's funny that exactly they had the That's good idea the thing, yeah. and then just just focused on their own like boring selves instead for some reason well having an idea to make like a weird david lynch convenience store thing isn't really having an idea (laughs) if you don't have any of the creative potential to realize it then the idea is just like oh if i could make a movie as the way david lynch makes a movie then it would be good and obviously (laughs) he can't so that didn't happen that's 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 part of it he didn't even like he sort of like didn't even execute he didn't try to do that. yeah that, that was the original concept and then it turned into this slice of life yeah comedy. he just did like the personal stuff well i mean he did the other stuff but in such a half-assed way that's like i wish it was all this like i did i wish there wasn't yeah. much dante and randall i found it really interesting that the first scene that he said that he wrote was that one where randall is like i don't appreciate your ruse man what your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me or whatever. I think that's the dialogue. And um, that scene is, that's a moment of writing that really sticks out to me as like really bad as like, um, it it reflects what is a problem in clerks. And, and again, what I found, what I find interesting and kind of the weird push and pull going on is that like they say in the documentary, there isn't any ad-libbing going on in Clerks, but at the same time, I think the charm of like each little moment that does work is from the performance in some way, like especially when they show Olaf, like that's one of the most obvious ones. Yeah, It is interesting to me that Jeff Anderson, who plays Randall, uh, 
he's obviously wasn't a professional actor. And he says in this documentary, he was nervous about it, didn't want to be in the movie. Yeah. And like, also you're right that that is like a badly written like scene or whatever, but it's so it's the most memorable just because of his accidental like deadpan delivery. Yeah. That it, like kind of worked. And it's like, it's, and it's not even that, that, that Kevin's stupid friend, Jeff is like such a funny comedic performer that he made it work is just this sort of weird uh, accidental alchemy that this guy yeah. who was didn't want to be in the movie didn't know what he was doing accidentally made this bad bit of writing sort of funny like yeah <laughs> it like wasn't meant to to happen i i think it's a, a real lightning in a bottle film because i don't think that kevin smith is also the first person to even attempt this type of a thing but i think oh. there was an in it's explicit that it's him copying things that he saw other people doing and he wanted yeah, to do I, what i meant more was like people at his level of like um finances and independence and stuff like that but Kevin just ended up getting really fucking lucky with uh, his the people he casted. Like some of the people, like Jason Mewes, watching the documentary too. Like yeah. his moments are the best. Um, and and getting that one guy, which we'll get to later, the guy who eventually sells his film. So many steps along the way, oh, Kevin gets fucking. I have so fucking, much to say about that. Man. He gets so fucking <laughs> lucky. Yeah, there's a lot to say about it. But that's what I noticed most with the documentary. Was I was like, damn, this guy is he. He got so lucky with so many people. And it's funny because in the beginning of the movie, those the with the fan part where they're saying like it was the first guy to really capture our voice to really speak to the '90s generation or whatever, and like there were probably about a million other Kevin Smiths making their own shitty little movies oh. like this where it's and, their friends are. And this is this one just he was in the right place at the right time where the right guy saw it. And this was the one that went ended up going out to a wide audience because one of the Harvey most Weinstein. evil men in show business thought it was <laughs> yeah. so funny. Uh, curse. <laughs> uh, well, he Well, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. We'll get to that later. Not Not until he actually watched it. He, well, he didn't. He didn't like it until he saw that it would make fucking money. <laughs> no, 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 no. He didn't. He did. He refused to watch it at first. He only saw the beginning part where the guy's doing the anti-smoking rant, and he hated that because he's a smoker, which is right, yeah, yeah one of the best parts of the movie. It's not, but it doesn't make any sense because the point of that isn't. You're not supposed to think, oh, that guy is right. The point is that he's like creating this like big uh fucking inconvenience for yeah. Dante. Like it's not He's like you're not supposed to be watching and be like, oh, this is funny because that guy's right that smoking is bad. Which just shows that Harvey Weinstein's a fucking idiot and a dullard. <laughs> yeah. But then the rest of the movie with all the gross sexual stuff, he was like, oh, I, I actually do like this. See, I read it as um, when he went back, because the second time he saw it with an audience, and I thought that it was that like when he sat in with an audience, he was like, oh, they eat this shit up. I can sell this. Well, no, they say in the documentary the first time they, um, his employees who were pushing to get him to see the movie, he went to a screening and he didn't like the smoking part and he walked out after like 10 minutes. Jesus. Well, the um, other part that is connected to that, like what I was saying earlier with it being a really collaborative thing, you notice that even the end result of Clerks, 
that's not even the cut that Kevin made. Like the no, ending no, no, of no, Clerks no, no. is 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 reshot. Like there's music added in. So the final product that you have of Clerks is um is the product of just so many people and and so many touch-ups and and re-edits. And then he gets like yeah. the title of being an auteur. That's the it. thing. He still which gets to be insane. an auteur at the end of it, which I thought I didn't really realize that. I thought that was kind of that was kind of interesting to me. The marketing of Kevin yeah. Smith as an auteur, despite not totally being one. Yeah, and I think a lot of the the way they tell the story here is very revisionist because all of the like these Miramax employees are being like, "Oh, I loved it right away. We thought it was brilliant. It's going to speak to a yeah, new generation." Yeah. When really it was no probably way. more like, "Okay, this is a really cheap. We can buy this thing really cheap, and we can pr- polish this turd into something <laughs> sort of acceptable." And uh, these kids will fucking like it because it's got dirty words like it was obviously much more. But then after the fact, it's become this cult phenomenon. They can be like, oh, yeah, I knew he was a genius right away. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, it's like some myth, some uh, what do you call it? It's like some myth writing. There, there's a yeah. word for that. Um, and- a geography. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, look at Trevor <laughs> with the big word. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think like there is a point there where like this probably happens every single time somebody hits it big. Yeah. The people in charge, even if the people are great, like even when it's people who are like, I think we can all agree are amazing. Like probably Tarantino, they did the exact yeah, same yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, we knew he was great, and it's like you probably didn't. Like you probably just like oh this. Might Have work. you ever seen Tarantino's first independent movie that he made before Reservoir Dogs? It's oh, like a no, total. Pe- it's like that. a total piece of shit, and it's like oh. it's starring himself, <laughs> and most of the movie is him and his friends talking about like Elvis and Brian De Palma and shit and then there's like funny like kung fu scenes for no reason <laughs> and a lot of the stuff from it ended up getting reworked that into a uh, true true romance i think uh, but um yeah it's like him doing like a clerks and someone saw that and is like well this guy's weird and he'll probably speak to young people and that probably helped him get funding for reservoir tarantino Dogs. really is like if kevin had talent <laughs> like if he was like oh i have money now i can make yeah. an actual yeah. movie he he went from that into doing something actually and tarantino also openly copies stuff that he likes from other movies but eventually sure. figured out how to synthesize that into being a talented filmmaker in his own right and yeah kevin just doesn't have that i love the fact that in this movie they talk about the fact that Kevin, you know, he didn't want to go to a four-year film school because it takes too long. But yeah, he found this yeah. eight, this cheap eight-month oh, yeah. unaccredited <laughs> film program. And it's like, oh, I can get an entire film school education in just eight months. And then he didn't even do the whole thing. He, he dropped out halfway. Months. And 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 yeah, and then cut to 20 years later, he's on stage being like, I don't know what kind of le- what the lenses are called. You know? <laughs> like he doesn't, he never bothered to learn anything about film. <laughs> filmmaking he went to a like sort of you know diploma mill program for a few months and he met his producer friend and they and then sold a bunch of comic books and and made a shitty movie he's the luckiest man in the world there's a really really great part of this documentary where he's talking about the two shot that he does that's just two characters waist up talking heads and he's like yeah that just became my thing man it's like that's my signature shot my signature that's just the simplest shot of a dialogue that you can do i do that at work and i make videos for church so the old people don't die (laughs) like that's the simplest shot you can do 
that's not that's nobody's thing it's the shot you do when you can't af- when you don't can't afford enough film to like do close-ups for each character <laughs> <laughs> which is like I sort mean, yeah. of what's going on yeah a, bu- a bunch of the movies filmed in those like two shots or where it's like well, a single shot and like of course that's an economic choice because they didn't have a lot of money in their shooting on yeah. film you know they talk about the uh editing process just being like picking what take you like best which i thought was pretty funny <laughs> yeah and they then, said um, they could only do like two takes max of everything and then hollywood boy Scott Mosier? Yeah. Scott yeah, Mosier, Scott like, Mosier. pronounces the name of the machine wrong. I thought that was pretty good. Oh, my God. Scott Scott Mosier has to be the dull, the dullest, like, most no personality person yeah. I've ever been forced to listen to talk. I thought he would be for- cool. Kevin was wowed by him and how cool he was. That's, like, part of the because fucking he had movie. Like because he had a cool uh, 90210 haircut or something. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I want to... Uh, we're, we're, we're veering wildly all over yeah, this place. Yeah, I yeah. want to go and, like, go through the documentary a little bit because there are so many little chunks to this story. Um, so I want to, I want to go back because before, before we even get to clerks. Okay. There is an incredibly vital piece of Kevin lore, which I had, I was shocked <laughs> to find out that I, I had never realized. I did not remember, which is that, um, Kevin and I believe Scott Mosher, that's who he's oh, with in school. Oh, yeah. yeah. That um, <laughs> this was I this is what I was telling Ooh. you guys about. I couldn't I couldn't jump past this. So yes, yes. Kevin and Scott Moser, because they wanted to make something cool and daring, um, mm-hmm. they were in some type of like a pitch competition or something. And they pitched I think it was for their school program. Because yeah. they went to that 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 uh, film program and eventually okay, yeah. together. And they pitched doing a documentary about transsexuals and uh, they get the money for it. But guess what? Um, neither of them actually give a shit about what they call transsexuals. They're actually very bored of the topic already. So we get to see Kevin Smith and Scott Moser very clumsily um, attempt to and then fail partway through filming to make a documentary uh, documentary basically about seems to be transgender people. It, it seemed to be some type of drag performance or something. Yeah, it seemed like they were going to focus on one woman. Yes. But yeah, it seemed like sure one person. They had a woman who was supposed to be the focus of their documentary who bailed on them. Like, they met her Christ. at something called the Transvestite Festival. Transvestite. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Transvestite it was, yeah. no, they refer, they refer to her as a, a pre-op transsexual. Pre-op transsexual. And then it's a Transvestite Festival. Yeah, they met her at the Transvestite Festival. They yeah. wanted to do a documentary on her, and she ended up just bailing on them and disappearing. <laughs> and, and it's like, and like, yeah, I'm sure they were totally cool and not weird to her when they were, like, approaching her about making this movie. Jesus. That's the thing. I, I can pick. <laughs> Picture this, I can tell exactly what's going on. Like, Kevin is looking at trans people as just a zoological um, interest, as just yeah. like a freakish thing to put in his film to make it like edgy and daring. And he can't even stick the landing, he can't even finish his shitty, offensive documentary. But above all that, I bring it up because, um, as I've mentioned before, trans people and like gender and and like bioessential shit comes up in Kevin's films quite often a lot it's it's never like super explicitly transphobic or whatever but i am officially giving this my stamp of uh something's up here <laughs> this gets my stamp of um 
something's weird. Yikes. Yeah, there's, the, there's the, a real vi- the vibe the vibe I got from Scott Mosier is that he might have been even weirder about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Scott Mosier comes off like a creep. He gives, he gives yeah. bad bad vibes. I thought he was going to be cool cuz I cuz I heard that he was like Kevin's why, cool friend or whatever. Why would you think that? Because Kevin hypes him up as being like his his cool yeah, friend. Yeah, he's Kevin. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair. yeah he he seems exactly like the kind of weird creep who would for some reason latch on to Kevin as like the talent and be like, <laughs> "Oh, I can glom onto this guy." and build a little career as a producer and eventually become the guy that makes the Grinch movie or whatever. <laughs> he, he, he has such a weird vibe and he talks a lot yeah. in those interview segments and his voice is, I, I feel, I feel myself, my, my life slipping away when he's talking. <laughs> oh my God. Just like disgusting vibes. I, I have like yeah. a whole headcanon about uh, Scott Mosier based on just this documentary so my thing is, he was probably like the least cool kid from yes. California, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so he's like, "I'm gonna go somewhere totally different." So he goes to Vancouver, meets Kevin, is like, "Wait, we're both nerds, but I'm from California, so he thinks I'm really cool." Yeah. So now yeah. I get to be like the cool guy for once in my life, uh, <laughs> and then he's been doing that ever since. Yeah. Wow. It and he managed to put on some sort of confident persona or something that impressed Kevin and was able to be like, Oh yeah, we we should just make a movie together mm-hmm. or whatever and like talked to and like hyped him up or whatever, and then that's how he like became. And then part Kevin does the all the work. Yeah. So when their um transsexual documentary fell apart, <laughs> what they ended up doing as their documentary oh, project yeah. was a documentary about them failing to make a documentary. Ugh, which yeah. is the lamest fucking thing. That's like the thing in school where you write an essay about writing an essay or whatever. And yeah. then worse than that, it's not even a documentary because Kevin said that he scripted it very carefully. And that he like had to uh, uh, get Scott to like say all of his lines right and everything. <laughs> and it's like God. I thought that this was a. Do- it, they're like so they're making a fake documentary about themselves failing to make a real documentary. It's so <laughs> lame. Like I wouldn't have even put this in the movie if I were you. Like this is embarrassing yeah. for you. It looks like it's all shot behind like like silhouette behind a screen or whatever. Oh. Then that's the, where the two that's where the two shot yeah, bit comes up where he's like that was the first instance of my signature two shot yeah. just like the least interesting thing I had this crazy idea to film a silhouette of the two of us and it's just like in Clerks when I have both of them in the shot and then I've just been doing that ever since uh, Kevin Smith fans at home will remember that the two <laughs> shot has appeared in pretty much every Kevin Smith film up to this point it is his signature shot. Uh, I want to get into more of um of Kevin's squad, his crew. I want there were a few members specifically I was interested in your takes on. I I sort of categorized them like in my brain about what feeling they gave me. Uh one is like a little rat boy. Um he's the guy that was supposed (laughs) to play Dante. Just he he just had like a little like rat energy. (laughs) There was like guy who wants to be Scott Mosier, who is who's Randall's based off of. Um, uh, the the two girls, <laughs> although really only the one talking. You get to me. major like jealousy vibes from all of his like also ran friends. Yes, and then yeah. he talks about Nasty. he talks about like it's such a big honor that Kevin let him run his comic shop. 
Like That's he brutal, ha- he man. has this film career. He makes this new film friend, and they go off and make movies together. And he's like, "The greatest honor of my life was when Kevin said I'm opening a comic book shop, and I want you to run it." <laughs> but to be honest, if like one of Pretty my friends cool. was rich and he was just like, "Hey, you want to just like make a decent living running my shop that probably loses money?" I'd be like. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds it's amazing. Yeah, and and now he gets to be a rude dick to customers for the rest of his life, and oh, they love it imagine? because they'll be like, because you'll be like, wow, it's just like the movie. He's being a, an asshole. That actually sounds like the perfect job. You have no <laughs> obligation to be nice to anybody. I sure wouldn't be nice to those freaks. Imagine if you had a job where day in and day out, Kevin Smith fans are showing up and bothering you. Snoochies. Nice I would just be like, yeah. And I'd give them their thing, and then I'd go back to reading until the next four hours when the next customer comes in. It'd be great. I'd like to hear what kind of boss he is. Oh, uh, my gosh. Kevin's friend that runs the comic shop. I want, oh. Ooh, yeah. There's, I forgot. There's a whole reality show about them, so yeah, I don't we'll want to that. get too deep yeah. into that. So the I think the most fascinating storyline that we get within uh, Kevin's like crew is the Dante uh, yes. Let's say love, love triangle. Yes. Um, oh my so god. So for the god. folks at for the folks at home, the Dante that we see in the film is not the Dante that was originally cast. Uh, the original Dante was one of Kevin's like shit friends that yeah, he because he was because he was an actor and it was the only actor that he knew. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's like, oh, so he'll play Dante. Mm-hmm. And um, sorry, I get them I get them confused so easily. So correct me if I'm if I'm fucking it up. But was he the one that didn't remember? He didn't study his lines. Or no, that was Randall. No, 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 no. That was him. But this is this was what was so insane to me about this. Ke- Kevin gave him like the full script before the yeah. auditions or anything. But he came and he auditioned like everyone else. And Kevin is like downplaying it. But it's but basically from what it sounds like is he was really upset. That the guy didn't memorize his lines before the For audition. An audition. It's an audition. <laughs> like, and he's like, because Kevin says that. He's like, he showed up and he hadn't memorized the script, which was weird, but that's not really the point. And then like says some other bullshit. But it, and then Jeff yeah. Anderson is talking about it. He's like, what? Kevin gave him the whole script in advance and he doesn't even remember. The, and it's, it's a fucking audition and you didn't even give him yeah. the part. And you're complaining that he didn't memorize the, the whole script. That's so weird to me. And and it's like, and then he talks about like he didn't give it to him because he was like too cool or something. Or is that a different guy? No, that's the same guy. It's the same he guy, right? Like, he says he's like playing it too cool. And it's like, do you know what a director does? That's like, your do you job. Know, yeah. That's do you, your, like, you do have you know that job. how casting works? Like if someone shows up, like if someone's an actor in theory and they're like reading the part in audition and it's not what you envision, you can like can be like hey try playing it this way you know give him a fucking chance but it like it seemed like that he's just making excuses because it's like oh i'm mad that i'm mad that my actor friend didn't memorize my whole script to audition for my shitty movie that obviously no one's taking seriously nobody knows this is going to be a real movie and and basically from what we hear kevin basically just told him like oh i've i've got a new part for you you're going to love it, um, which is just such a to me, at least I think that's such a shitty way to do it because it's yeah. obvious that he promised this guy the role. And then instead of giving it to him like he expected, uh, 
Which that that's another thing too. Even though he came for an audition, it does imply that he was given the role, which is like what is confusing to me. Um, yeah. And then Kevin's just like, "Sorry, hey, we got you a new part though. Uh, it's <laughs> such and such character, and he doesn't know it because he didn't memorize the script. So that that reminds us that he's a shitty guy. He didn't memorize Kevin's." Kevin's script. They fudge the details around or play with the timeline or something because they talk about Brian O'Halloran coming in to audition and how mm-hmm. he was so great before they talk about um, what's his name not yeah. being right for the part. And it's like, did that actually happen before that or did you bring him in later? It's very unclear. It's like intentionally obscure there, I think. Like, I think you can probably gather the truth, but they don't really want you to. But also, he says the problem is that the way he read the part wasn't like Dante or whatever. But they also say Brian O'Halloran did this monologue that was nothing like Dante for his audition. But they still knew that he was the like, I don't know. It's it's very weird. And also, do you notice how Kevin's friends are all like covering for him on it? Like, <laughs> well, of course. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah. I track. totally thought he was so wrong for the part. And I was like, Kevin, are you sure that he should be? Yeah. I don't think he should play. And it's just like. I don't know. You get this weird, like... It's all for Kevin's benefit. Weird hints of what the, like, power dynamic (laughs) might be behind the scenes between these boring nerds, but the movie already gives me way more than I wanted to know. But the interesting texture that that information adds to the film is that there's a scene where the Dante that we know meets the original Dante who plays the jock in the film. And that scene is like the one where the jock is like basically flexing on him and stuff. And I got to say, rewatching that scene, knowing that Dante stole that guy's part, there is a level of anger simmering under that scene that I think is uh, very (laughs) real. (laughs) I don't think it's uh, a performance. And that was very interesting to me. So he wanted Jeff Anderson to play Jay and this other guy was supposed to play Silent Bob and Kevin was going to play Randall, which would have mm-hmm. been awful. But cool. and then and then he said then he said he didn't want to play Randall because he didn't want to have to memorize all those lines, all those lines that he fucking wrote while he's getting pissed off at his friends for not remembering all the <laughs> I, I don't know how this man's brain works. But then they don't even talk about the fact that this guy who was supposed to play Silent Bob got bumped out of the movie so that he could play Silent Bob. <laughs> that guy's in the documentary sitting next to a guy and he says nothing. He's just in all the shots yeah. of that guy talking and he says like maybe three words. He's sitting next to the other guy that got bumped out of the part of fucking Dante. And that and like and they're talking about how he lost the part of Dante, but he's all having a sense of humor about it or whatever after the fact and the guy but not even any mention of this guy who was supposed to have a part but also got dropped so that kevin could play the silent part one thing that i i will say i have to give kevin a little bit more credit than i had before the dialogue scene where silent bob says a long monologue was not actually like intended to be in the movie Yes. Which I just assumed Kevin was like, well, he's got to talk because it's me. So no, good job yeah. for that not being the case. Too, yeah. The What happened was that Jay was supposed to give it, but he was too nervous. So he got he, really no, drunk. He was, yeah, he was too fucked up on set to do the <laughs> monologue. Apparently there was a guy, I, I don't remember who it was, but there was another, one of the friends would just like get him fucked up every single time they were shooting. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. 
And gotta say, Jason's part in the documentary is very, in, it, like, I really like Jason's part in the documentary, but also it, uh, it made me feel a little bit gross when they were talking about loading him up before filming, especially since we know that Jason Mewes went on to have, like, pretty severe yeah. addiction problems that he eventually had to deal with. Really hints at what the dynamic uh, would eventually be with him in the movies, where it's <laughs> like, oh, he's nervous about being in the movie. We just need to get him fucked up so he can be so he can be our little dancing monkey but also the thing about that is that it clicked with me that like it would have made so much more sense if jay was the one that said that line to dante and it would have been a million times better if it were yeah. jay yeah, yeah. It, it's like the line makes sense it sounds like something jay would say and it's like that's a good you know not to give him too much credit, but I'm sure he'd learned like three or four screenwriting tips in his half of an eight month film program. And that's like <laughs> a pretty good sort of basic screenwriting technique. You have this character who's like a dope and a clown the whole movie. And then he says something sort of profound at the end. Uh -huh. Like it, that just sort of works better as like a little story moment. Then for some reason, the guy's friend who's supposed to not talk says the line, which just sucks. One thing that I think... Um, having Bob say the line that like would sort of speak to people, especially the people that we saw in the very beginning of the documentary are the like little dweebs is that that's probably a very big power fantasy for them to like, <laughs> they never say anything. They're always like very shy and mm -hmm. cowardly, but like, Oh, they get a chance to like make a yeah. big monologue and they fucking this, nail this it. This is so my can, moment. I can kind of see how that like actually worked out for him, even though I personally fucking hate <laughs> it, but yeah, and it's set such a terrible precedent for all the future. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, really fucked them up. Now I'm curious. So, uh, but I think before we move on from like the section of the film, I want to know like, were there any parts that you really um, liked? Because there were some, or at least some people that I really liked. Because no. I did really like. Um, I basically really liked Jason Mewes' interview, and I liked hearing his behind-the-scenes take, and he came off as um, a way cooler guy than the rest of them. <laughs> I appreciated how little of a shit he really gave about um, theater or film <laughs> or writing or anything like that. Yeah. And then he gives, like, the best fucking performance. And I also liked um, the, guy, the guy who played Randall. I kind of liked for the same reason. I completely disagree. I agree Jeff with you Anderson. on the Randall. I look because just based on his performances in the movies, I sort of liked that guy yeah. before. But seeing what kind of like lame douchebag he is in real life made me like him less. I will say that like Jason Mewes, I actually do really like watching interviews with him and stuff. Uh, Jeff Anderson, I definitely don't. But I did enjoy watching his um, audition tape where he like barely knew the yeah. lines, but he was like a way more entertaining person than anyone else. That part I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I like him the most in the yeah, movie. Yeah, Like he, he comes off well in the movie, but then of course in real life he's just one of Kevin's fucking lame friends and has a lame sense of humor. And I'm just like, man, I didn't need to know what that guy is actually like. <laughs> Every bit more of behind the scenes stuff we get, I just end up like liking Jason Mewes yeah. more very early in the movie. It's almost like I think it's in like a montage or something. There's Kevin saying like Jason Mewes, you just walk, you just walk around and anything that was like a pole, he just like suck <laughs> off and he wouldn't be doing it for anybody else. He'd be doing it for himself. And it's like. That's yes. that's great. That's what like, I was trying to remember. He is a genuine person. That's what I was trying to remember, Ted, is um, he said, 
Um, I don't do this shit to entertain anybody. I just do it to entertain myself. So I can't do it in front exactly. of an audience. And that's when I was like, oh my God, that's why he's so good because he's the, he's the fucking opposite of Kevin. He doesn't give a shit who's watching him. He doesn't care if anyone finds him funny or respects him or whatever. He's just going around pretending to suck off poles because he thinks that it's the funniest shit in the world. And that's why he's fun to watch. That's why <laughs> he's, he's great. Uh, Stan Jason Muse. But of course, Kevin has to capture <laughs> yeah. that and turn it into part of his yeah. entertainment. He, he grabbed something pure and he, uh, he caged it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have to comment on something that I enjoyed seeing uh, because it ties into something we've talked about before. Um, I guess this was 2004 when they made this documentary. Uh -huh. uh, during this period in Kevin's life, he was, I guess he was going through a major personalized bowling shirt thing. <laughs> Uh, we, pre we previously saw his dad, his infamous daddy man shirt, and he had for mo for most of the interviews in this, he's wearing that exact same design of bowling shirt, except the name instead of daddy man is Jen. I did bitch. not notice that. I didn't see that. That's Aww. rough. Oh. And then it has his his wife's last name on Jeez. like the left side, but then on the other side, as his name like in quotes, it says Jen's bitch. That's pretty cool. And there was another one he was wearing in a different <laughs> interview segment, but I didn't wasn't able to make out what it said. Um, the the one other part I, I wanted to point out, just because I I guffawed at it, I didn't laugh for a while. I just let let out one, <laughs> uh, which was um, when uh, what's his name Jeff Anderson is talking about how he was on set with the girl who plays Veronica, and he's like. Uh, Oh yeah, I, oh I just I just thought she was really pretty. So uh, you know, oh no, no, God. it was the other was girl. It? Wait, which one's what? Oh wait, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, I meant um, Caitlin. Caitlin, one of the girls. One of the girls he hated. He, yeah, he almost quit. He almost quit the movie because he and the other girl didn't. Yeah, he hates wrong. Veronica. Jesus. I get their names mixed up. He lo it's Caitlin of. Anyway, okay. so he's talking about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just thought she was really uh, pretty, and uh, and then, uh, you know, one night we're there, and then I, I lean in, and uh, I start kissing her, and then <laughs> I guess we're dating now, and I was like, Jesus Christ. Who? <laughs> Hell yeah, Who dude. Who cares? 14 years old. So what am I watching? <laughs> well, okay, so <laughs> that does lead into an amazing, an amazing part where they then cut to Dante's yes, character. Yes, And then, and he's like, yeah, I kind of like had a thing for her too, but like- Why would you say that? Jeff is just so cool. <laughs> it's so funny. And then they cut back to Jeff, back to Randall, and he's like, yeah, we were dating for three, I'd known her for three weeks and then uh, we got engaged, but she's not in the fucking movie <laughs> at all. So yeah. <laughs> what happened there? They don't even say. They don't explain uh, it at all. I love how like pathetic uh, Dante Brian O'Halloran <laughs> seems when he's just like, yeah, I mean, I kind of had a crush on yeah. her too. Uh, but then, you know, Je she and Jeff got to, and I thought it was so great when they got engaged, you know, and it's like, dude, oh, keep that to yourself. Jesus. What are you doing? People Show are going to watch dog. this. I think, uh, I think the important context of this documentary is that it is something that you could only get on like the collector's set of clerks. So this is definitely made for like 
they're assuming a very small, non-judgmental audience. They weren't expecting Kevin Smith scholars to uh, to come in and dissect all the the horrific imagery of this film. They weren't expecting me to have to figure out how to use a VPN <laughs> just so I could watch a YouTube version of it that's blocked. That three sixty not in Canada. Um, I wanted to move on because this is kind of a, a, sex, a different chunk altogether. The uh, the half of the film, which is the selling of clerks which is when we really see like it the first half at least has a bit of heart to it i have a bit of interest in that the second half is pure cold cynicism uh i it's so boring it's, and it is very boring it's a disturbing tale to me trev i know that you discovered a new enemy of yours in this section of the film do you want to talk about that oh yes I, i've got a list of names and his is in red underline to quote uh, taylor swift it's in his manifesto <laughs> we're talking about bob, bob hawk <laughs> we don't like him folks okay so the very first i guess screening of clerks before sundance before anyone ever heard of it through some indie film circuit, they got the movie screened at this indie theater that they liked in New York, and no one showed up to the screening. They were there. It was just them, the people that worked on the movie. No one was there except this one weird old man named Bob Hawk. And this guy is some sort of like guy in like the indie circuit or something and he liked the movie so much that he went and told all of his film critic friends and they told their friends and that got the the word got spread to people that worked at miramax and blah 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 and ended up going to sundance yada yada that's like the uh -huh. story in a nutshell right this guy bob hawk something's going on with that guy i i think i think he was i think he was trying to fuck kevin or like or so, trying to like, or somebody in the movie. There's, I get a real, he's so invested in helping this little movie be a success. And I just get this like creepy old. It's weird. Guy There's something weird him. going on. Like there. he's just glom. There's these pictures of them all at Sundance together, and it's all the young people that made the movie, and Bob Hawk is just there posing with them, and he's like 50 years older than that. Isn't them, there a scene where like, he's like watching Kevin? Something's not right about this dude. Isn't there a scene where he's watching him at dinner? <laughs> Yes. There's oh, a scene where Bob Hawk's watching. And I will say, like, the Kevin we know doesn't look much like the Kevin then back then. Like, Kevin kind of gave off, like, a young George <laughs> Lucas vibe. Like, he, I mean, he didn't look good. George Lucas. But, like, yeah. I get it. I get it. Listen, if you're a hot for Kevin then, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not complaining. But also, in the movie, you've got, you know, you've got Randall, you've got Jay, especially, definitely the most uh, sex appeal of any of the young men Honestly. in the movie, the most boyish looking one. I can see a guy like Bob Hawk watching <laughs> this and being like, these, you know, these boys, they've really got something. I think they could really so, benefit from the help of, a, of an experienced older man like myself. The line that Bob Hawk says that, like, got me so good was, he's like, yeah, even even today, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's teens talking about clerks mm -hmm. and like he okay. says he says I talk I, I I I remember the line I talk to people today who who weren't even born when when <laughs> clerks came or they're too young and now and now they're teenagers and they, and it's like wait you talk to people who are who are the how many teenagers do you talk to Mr. <laughs> Hawk? Uh, so the the um and and so part of that is revealing about him like why are you talking to teenagers dude. But then part of that is revealing about Clerks, that the people that Clerks have lo has 
Oh my god, I'm just gonna start that again because I can't fucking speak. Like the people that Clerks has longevity with are children, <laughs> children. and that's that's already gone and passed. Like I don't think yeah. any single teen is like into Clerks anymore. Yeah. So it's like not only is it not like adults like it, but like only kids liked it, and only for a couple years, and then it was done. And it's like only, only kids and that's this not one, longevity, and only kids and this one older man who really just delights at the fact that young kids like the movie so much. Um, so this he's like he watched oh. it and he's like, oh man, the kids are really gonna like this. I can't wait to show this to all my young friends. So this, so yeah. kind of the storyline that um, I get, I don't, I I I think Bob Hawk might be deceased now, and I think and he was somewhat of a legend in the New York indie film scene or something or other. So I don't want to besmirch the man too much. This is all parody, allegedly, blah blah blah. Uh, but I get a bad vibe from that guy. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of bad vibes, uh, the next big fish in the movie is uh harvey weinstein himself <laughs> Wait. Oh, well, i think we need to talk a little about the road Wait, yeah because I, I want i want to explain all, that a all little of bit. those miramax employees who just knew how brilliant this movie was what's that guy's name mike tusk yeah because i remember his name was Tusk. something like that yeah and what one one of the film producer guys inter- interviewed who's like a little older is is like oh yeah mike tusk he was like the cool guy at Paramount at, at a Miramax, and then they cut to him, and he's like, "Yeah, I popped the movie in. You know, I smoked a joint." Oh, that was my he, favorite. Like, I love that so much. <laughs> and then there's there's it's a, like a bad later, way to do your job. He's he, like that guy is not cool. <laughs> he's he seems like such a loser. And these producers are like, "Oh yeah, everybody knows Tusk. He was the cool guy." <laughs> yeah. Like, so we get introduced to, and then later he's talking about eating potato skins with Harvey, and he thinks that's so funny. He's like, Jesus. "Yeah, you know, we had some cheesy bacon potato skins," and it's just like, "What is? Why is that funny? It's like, what are you laughing?" Whoa, about? Harvey eats unhealthy. I would have never guessed. <laughs> he looks disgusting in that fucking teal shirt and suspenders. Oh this my was, god! This was Harvey at like his peak. This I know. When, this was the, that was the best the man. he ever looked. He was like perfectly round in the most <laughs> disgusting color I've ever seen and suspenders and I hate him. And like you're the big fish in this movie that should make you look good. And it's made by Miramax, right? The documentary? Well, yeah, of course. But this I, was I like, a, know, d- this was like a DVD feature. It's not That's like true. That's true. it had any oversight. I'm sure one of Kevin's dumb lackey friends slapped this together and nobody like actually looked at it. They just put yeah. it on but, but here but here's the thing, because this film this film does fit in very neatly into the Harvey Weinstein image. I was gonna bring this up earlier, but I didn't want to jump ahead too quickly. So the story that we get basically with the second half of the film is that Kevin racked up a shitload of credit card debt to make clerks, which cost apparently like $30,000 or something, which is like more than I expected, honestly. So Kevin ended up spending uh, like $30,000 seemingly mostly in credit card debt on clerks, which is just absolutely fucking nuts. And from selling... From selling comics. comics too. He and and this is way. so we get to meet uh Kevin's mom, who I found very interesting because number one, 
um, because her house got destroyed or something, which is like part of how Kevin gets some money for clerks. And, uh, <laughs> and Kevin seems to, instead of helping her to be mostly focused on his movie, which I just found funny, but also that she thinks that clerks <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> she thinks it's a piece, That's a so piece funny. of shit. That's so when she, funny. When she first saw it, she said to Kevin, you spent $27,000 on that piece of crap. <laughs> and that leads us to um, eventually when Kevin sells the film, she's like shocked uh, when Miramax picks it up. And this is where I see, this is where the interesting Harvey Weinstein legend comes in. Because the thing that is, I think, important to understand about Harvey Weinstein is that it's not so much that like he is just the legend himself. It's like he is, his legend is built out of um, the people that he raises up. He's like a kingmaker, basically. Yeah. So um, what this documentary sets up and what a lot of documentaries set up from around that time is that like Kevin was a nobody that people didn't recognize the talent of, that people got down on. And wouldn't you know it, like the only company that was willing to take him on was Harvey Weinstein's Miramax. And that is part of the legend of Harvey. Like, even if he misses it the first time, he still, he still gets it in the end. And he's the one who can make these auteurs uh, happen. And you get lots of stuff in the documentary of people like just talking up Harvey Weinstein's legend and all that too. Like he appears as like a fucking Citizen Kane figure in it. Even if he also looks like a yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely like a uh, a weird um, business yeah. culture around Miramax. <laughs> I would say like uh, there's definitely a kind of cult of personality yeah. around and Harvey. the slime and all the weird slimy dudes that we meet uh, going up to him because we we got that guy who says, um, "Oh, I, I, so I uh, <laughs> smoked a, a joint and watched it," which is jeez and then we have the guy who's like harvey's lackey who's like oh yeah i always knew that clerks Ugh. was going to be a big hit i always knew it i always told mr harvey about it um <laughs> he was like um uh if the other guy was weed that guy was definitely coke like that's the energy that i got there 100 yeah. um, just so many weird little creeps that we get to meet along the way bob hawk watching them have uh, watching them have dinner and sign papers all very gross. <laughs> Bob Hawk gets gets grosser to me as it goes on. At first, I'm yeah. like, okay, he seems like a weird old man. But then, like, I don't know. The way he talks about them in the movie just seems more and more mm-hmm. lascivious. And I'm just like, ugh. Yeah. I don't like I don't like it's it. Very stra- it's very strange. He's got, like... Like creepy stepdad <laughs> energy to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's a whole like cast it. of fucking creeps, though. You can really feel how awful that culture is—the culture of Miramax and the Hollywood system and what Kevin is entering into. You yeah. can feel how nasty it is. You can feel how it's all this like power dynamic of these big personalities that have ultimate control, and you can feel that Kevin kind of thinks that he's on the way there, which is a little tempting. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually, um, you know, Clerks, the the little film that could, going from a a little theater with nobody in it, but one very weird, weird man who likes teenage culture a lot for some (laughs) reason, and all the way up to uh, the most famous sexual predator in the land. Uh, What a success story. 
And it's all because of Bob Hawk. If he wasn't there at that one screening, it never would have happened. It would have just been like they wasted all their time making this movie. Nobody saw it. They all went back to those their stupid lives and nobody ever heard and of them. And then Kevin went to Yeah, Kevin jail. basically ruins his family's life. Ke- then Kevin's Ugh. mom's house got repossessed. His poor mother never stopped paying for it. She's <laughs> being punished to this day. The credit card uh, company is like sending people to their house to slash their tires. And Jesus. <laughs> what could have Just been? like ruining a family. <laughs> would, it, would it be worth it? Who's to, Who's say? to say? Us. That's our job. I'm sure he's taking care of his... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He t- he's talked about it, I think, in one of the specials that we... Uh, forced ourselves to watch. Yeah, so so now now he's supporting her, so you can be like, oh yeah, no, uh, my my son's movies they're great. <laughs> he says all those dirty words, haha, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, um, I do I do find it kind of interesting, like um, Kevin, like Kevin always talks about coming from, or at least he frames himself as coming from a very poor background, and uh, I was a little I was a little confused watching the film. I was like, wait, this is like no. nineteen what like nineteen ninety or something. And he somehow can manage to like wrangle up thirty thousand dollars plus nine thousand yeah. for a year of film school. <laughs> I think no. it was even if you were poor. I think cards, it was easier back then because people weren't like as poor. Kevin was not poor. He was never poor. Yeah. What what he talk he talks about like oh I was just a regular kid from like a regular family yeah. from humble beginnings. But he wasn't poor. Like his family was fine. I'm sure his dad had it had like steady employment and whatever like he he apparently had the ten thousand dollars or whatever to pay for that film program but only did half so he kept half of that money and put it into the movie (laughs) and it's like okay so he he wasn't poor i'm not he probably didn't grow up rich but like he was fine i just found the the financial stuff curious because maybe it's just because i'm i'm not a person that's ever had that much debt before that it seems like the most bonkers thing in the world to take like thirty thousand dollars credit card yeah. debt. like i just i can't even imagine how you would do it like i don't know where kevin even got how he got approval for all that fucking money but well, you know he different didn't, time maybe he didn't really uh, uh it was yeah, 1990 uh, money too that's like a lot <laughs> oh. trevor oh. is gone oh there he is hello what's up you there, Trev? <clears throat> oh, hello. hello. You're back. Oh, I hear something. There you go. Oh, I, I lost you guys for a second. No worries. Um, it's fine. I, I I don't think we really like no. lost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sort of I was just. Well, I was, just, well, well, I was, was about. I was about to. I was about to say in response to the. Yeah. In response to the credit card thing, I was about to say. Um, <clears throat> well. They don't really get specific about like whose names the credit cards were in or whether or not his parents co-signed or what kind of collateral was involved. Yeah. You know, Uh, I mean, Kevin, Kevin's mom, her her response where she was like, oh, you spent $27,000 on this. It might have been like you, you put me (laughs) into debt for this. We don't really know the particulars because fortunately it all worked out. It could have been a story about him bankrupting yeah. his poor mother just to realize his stupid dream. As a final thing, yeah. I will say that I think for Kevin's mother's sake, it is good that Clerk succeeded. For one woman. For one woman. 
the world. For one <laughs> middle class white woman who was probably fine in the first place, it all worked out. Um, she seems like a very nice lady, though. You know, she I really don't think she's anything like Tilda Swinton in that movie. She was much more sympathetic in real life. <laughs> Frankly, I think the movie portrayal was unfair to her. Not yeah. unfair enough to Kevin. They didn't make him evil enough in his uh, Ezra Miller form. Trev, you'd probably like Kevin's mom because she hates Kevin Smith films as much as you do. <laughs> Maybe she hates Kevin. Just kidding. That's a horrible thing to say about him. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We respect moms. I don't want to jump to any big conclusions about what she thinks about anything. It's just very funny that she trashed It's very funny. That was a really list. good. That was a really good clip. So we like tell people some good. Oh yeah, there was actually who, <laughs> who needs to listen to us to hear what something. No, good there's to one watch I had is. in mind. Well, there's one I had in mind I because know. it actually like it, it made me reflect on Kevin Smith a bit more and why he's a fascinating and infuriating figure to me. Um, one of my favorite documentaries, um, American movie. I assume you guys have seen that. I think. Oh, sorry. I thought you mentioned it before. Never mind. American movie is this awesome documentary about this guy who, um, is like, uh, this really working class American dude, um, called Mark who tries to make a movie and it mostly goes wrong. It's kind of like a clerk story, but one that doesn't go as well. And from a guy with like a lot less resources and a lot more stresses and watching the Kevin Smith documentary, I kept on thinking of like, God damn it. Like, why couldn't this story have happened to like Mark? Like <laughs> why couldn't it's not it, like, yeah, I, I don't have to watch Kevin Smith movies except for this podcast. So it's not that I hate Kevin Smith as much as like, <laughs> I wish that like, you know, a dude like Mark would have gotten this same experience and opportunity because he was making weird horror films and I would much rather watch his stuff than uh, anything that Kevin's gone on to make. So my, mine is actually like very similar. It's, um, it's a movie called Mistaken for Strangers which is a do like rockumentary, I guess you'd call it, Ooh. about the band The National. Um, but it's not that at all. It's made by the, the front man of The National's like epic fail son <laughs> brother. And he goes on tour with them and like fucks everything up and just continues fucking up. And so, but he has all this footage of it. So he eventually like puts it together into a movie about like how he fucked up making this movie. And it's really, really good. It's like, it's hard to describe because it's just like, a personal diary of like a guy being a fuck up and not realizing it but it's my favorite documentary i suggest like to anybody to watch it and especially <laughs> after seeing this where it's like the guy was probably not a worse filmmaker than kevin i'm not gonna say he's good but he probably wasn't worse and he also made like a bunch of shitty horror movies that's sort of like what he was into so yeah i'll check that out that actually movie. sounds really good uh, of course, uh, there's always classic about a similar subject, uh, Grizzly Man by <laughs> Werner Herzog, you know, where he uh, basically sums up my feelings about watching this and all of Kevin's movies uh, when he tells Timothy Treadwell's, <laughs> Timothy Treadwell's mom uh, to never, ever listen to the tape of her son being mauled to death uh, by bears. <laughs> that's uh, that, 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 that's what comes to mind. That's what uh, you would do. Me. If you could go back with with um, Kevin's mom and just say no, no, no. Yeah, you you Don't must watch never this. watch this, Mrs. Smith. 
<laughs> the experience of going through Kevin's career point by point and dissecting it is a lot <laughs> like getting mauled to death by bears for me. So yeah. there's a lot of thematic overlap there. Check it out. I don't know. Watch Hoop Dreams. If you haven't seen Hoop Dreams yet, watch that one. It's a classic. I've been watching Dexter's Lab. It's pretty good. Dexter's Lab was great. You know what was great? The fucking uh, Gendy Tarkovsky's Clone Wars cartoon. Everybody likes that CGI one. I don't know. I don't know what's so great about it. I like I like the one by the Dexter's Lab guy. Check that out. <laughs> it's not technically a documentary, but it is a historical document of what actually happened. That's uh, true. Yeah. Back then. So, um, you know. so obviously there aren't <laughs> any more Kevin movies out right now. So we don't really have like a what's next. But we should maybe talk about like what we have tentatively planned to watch in future episodes. On this season, <laughs> uh, you can expect to see... Films by Kevin's <laughs> shitty friends. <laughs> I want to watch the uh, the Jason Mewes 2019 movie, which was maybe the last movie that Stanley ever filmed. So we're going to be checking out stuff like that. We're, we're going to check out uh, films that are within the larger Kevin-verse. So films by his shitty friends, films <laughs> that he has shown up in, films that he has um, had some hand in, TV shows he's done, specials he's done. There is so much Kevin content out there. I was honestly horrified by it when I found out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we may have some fun surprises uh, coming up. And a big twist for this season, I will say yeah. that we will be featuring... Good movies occasionally. <laughs> yes, occasionally good movies. Yeah, next week's going to be pretty good. Next week we have a pretty exciting one uh, for you guys. Yeah, a, a real, a real uh, a change of course for this yeah, podcast. I'm expecting that to be a pretty fun episode. So <laughs> if if you hated this one, we're still you know we're still getting back on our feet here. It's been a while. Yeah. We're rusty, but. Episode episode two is. If you hated this one and made it to the very end, yeah, just <laughs> stay tuned for season two, episode two, because that that one's going to be exciting. I think. Yeah. Oh, and we should mention that Kevin has a new uh, yeah. movie coming out oh, based God. on a stupid drawing that people would draw on the margins of their notebooks uh, called yeah. "Kilroy Was Here." The trailer's out. Don't go watch it. Don't waste your time. Do something else. It's Kevin Smith doing another shitty low-budget horror movie that he apparently roped a bunch of film school <laughs> kids into helping him make, probably unpaid. I don't really know what the deal was there. The trailer looks really, really bad. And originally, oh, it was supposed to be a Krampus movie because oh. he came up with this back in, like, 2013. And then, of Christ. course, there was already a Krampus movie that came out then. So instead of being like, oh, well, someone else came up with that shitty idea before us. He was like, oh, well, let's just take this and make it about something even stupider and spend the next six years trying to get it made anyway for some reason. So we're very excited for whenever that comes out. We're very excited to watch it. Yeah. Opening night. Yeah, we're going to go see it and we're going to go on one of the Kevin Smith road shows opening no, night. not happening. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to risk exposure to the COVID-19 virus uh, just so I can see a fucking Kevin Smith movie. In we're going to make you, so. No, that's not that's not happening. Sorry, dude. And make sure you uh, subscribe to HBO Max. It's it's, it's the great. Best, it's the it's best so streaming good. service out there right now. Uh, they're not paying me to say this. I would love to accept their money if you're listening, Warner Brothers. You've created a <laughs> fine product here. 
cancel Netflix. Is this because Netflix, of the, this because get, of the get Snyder on, Get on the Max train. It's the way yeah. to go. Honestly, that's, like, that's no. Just, this, that's just one of many great things. <laughs> it's just that really HBO good. Max is bringing into our lives. It's a it's a great service. Uh, the streaming quality is always good. Never have any problems with it. Uh, a very fine uh, <laughs> library of films. For those of you up in Canada, it's not available no, it's to not. you. Sorry, um, yeah, but it's oh, fantastic. It's I'm so not, sorry, Rose. Not not in Canada, unfortunately. They've got all the Godzilla films on there. Check it out. Uh, start your free trial today at HBO Max <laughs> online. I don't even know if that's the, the URL. <laughs> I said I didn't even say a URL. <laughs> oh, I thought you. I thought that's what you meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's dot. Yeah, it's guess, dot uh, online. That's a good one. Somebody should snag that up. Um, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, good night, everybody. Good morning, whatever time it is. Out in podcast land. I've always wanted to say that really cliche line. So. All right, later. All right, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>